Hi, this is Russ Payton with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 75, Plot or Polish. And with me, as always, is Dom George. I am, and I was just observing the way your eyes bug out when you start that sentence. It's amazing. It's just, well... It's like watching... Use your imagination, It's like watching The Miracles of the Human Body, the movie. Yeah. I wish you could see what I'm seeing. Just the way Ross's (laughs) physiology changes when he does that. (laughs) Right. Well, uh, moving on, uh, we are... Uh, working a lot of things here at RPPR. Um, just so you know, we've I've been working a little bit uh, with Raillery, which is the video game uh, podcast Let's Play uh, that I have put a little work into. I haven't to lately, but now uh, I've just posted two episodes. One they'll both be linked in the show notes of a uh, multiplayer game we did of the Warriors, the Xbox One oh, game. Oh man, that was fun because I recorded the game on one thing, and then I had the or Zoom H2, just recording us as we were talking, playing the game, and I put them together. So it's not – this is a console game, but you can still hear us talking about it. And it's you know, a game from 2000, 2005 that is about the 1979 you know cult classic film. So By the way, uh, the it, director's cut, not as good. Which is mentioned in the Let's Play of Part 2. So – yeah, it's uh, so if you want to get into some let's play here, some of your favorites from RPPR, uh, including Caleb, Aaron, and Tom. So uh, you might want to give that a, a watch, not just a listen, a watch. So uh, so many bodies falling. Yes, so many. Uh, we're also I'm working on the next RPPR Kickstarter. I'm going to try and have that up by the end of this month or the beginning of August. It's going to be called Base Raiders. It's going to be based on material from the Heroes of New Arcadia, and basically it's going to be a campaign setting for all superhero <laughs> games. So. Um, the, the, the premise is basically superhero dungeon crawling and do it yourself DIY transhumanism. So the idea is that all the major players of a superhero world, all the Superman and Dr. Doom types are gone, but they leave all the secret, the secret bases and their tech and magic items behind. So normal people can empower themselves. And what do they do? They go raiding those abandoned bases for profit and also to shut off the various, you know, doomsday machines that they left running. Uh, so think, you know, the Fortress of Solitude or the Batcave as dungeon crawls. You've thought of that before. I know you have. Well, I have. I don't know about you. I'm pretty sure the listeners have. So the whole book, this will actually be a printed book. This won't be a ransom uh, project. Uh, This will be an actual book that will have art and pages and paper and or You can touch it. Yeah. Uh, this will be about how, explaining how the world got to be this way, what kind of things you find mm. in super uh, hero fortresses and bases. Yes, an actual product and, from Ross Payton. Yes. Award-winning published author. Uh, so there'll be a lot of rewards. We're also going to be doing some zombified superhero miniatures because the first the starting adventure will be a base where clones of uh, superheroes are becoming zombified and attacking people. Wow, really? I know. Zombies. I went there. So, but you can get your own miniature. Ian Moody will be uh, sculpting a miniature of that. And genius artist. Yeah, exactly. That's all I'm saying. Uh, if you've seen his work on No Security, you know. Uh, so <laughs> you know. I'm very excited about it. We'll have more material uh, soon about it. So uh, be saving up your pennies. There will be a lot of options for getting it uh, black and white or a color book. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, and there will also be options that if the we'll do stretch goals so that the, the main book itself will be systems free. But I'll put up PDFs on the website of the stats for all the characters in wild talents or means of masterminds. So right. if we meet certain, so we meet certain stretch goals, you'll, you'll you're, have all the stats. You, you're going to touch mutants and masterminds. Yeah, sure. It's okay. a popular. So there's nothing wrong with it. We just, you didn't just because we didn't have the best experience playing. It doesn't mean it's a bad system. So we try it again. It's our fault. Yeah, we could try it again. I have nothing against it. It's just, you know, um, 
So, uh, also, uh, Caleb's Kickstarter, No Security, is finished, and he started uploading those. His first one, Bryson Springs, is available uh, for download as a free PDF. Uh, it's got great art, again, from Ian Moody. Uh-huh. Uh, of the, so you can read it, and he uh, run it for your own group. I mean, it's very easy to figure out the stats for what to do, you know, in a horror game, uh, to do this. This is a systems-free adventure, so... Uh, he's hard at work in the next one, the Red Tower, uh, which another awesome we'll have, scenario. So, yeah, we will have the preview APs up pretty soon for those uh, contributors. Um, we just need to Caleb just needs to uh, upload them, and that'll be done pretty soon. And Caleb's also been running articles on his blog on Heaven yeah. on Games. Uh, in fact, he just posted one about uh, gamer logic, uh, player logic, um, which is pretty. Um, so we say uh, unique. Yeah, uh, I would say Because so. we – I actually ran an Olympic themes – a Summer Olympics London-themed zombie game that I'll be posting when the Olympics start this month, later this month. So uh, <laughs> Caleb talks a little bit about that in, this, uh, in, the, in the link. So you need to check out Heaven on Games. Subscribe to it on your RSS and because uh, I need to. I, I totally forgot to, but um, I will do that today. So um, – yeah, that's something to keep in mind. It's worth a read. It definitely. is. It, well, but yeah, just keep checking up on it. So uh, so anyway, um, so I think that's about all the news we have. For about the, right. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's talk about uh, our cont- our plot or oh. <laughs> topic uh, or plot, if you will, uh, plot versus or polish. And this isn't – it's kind of style over substance, but not not the same way. We, we already did an episode on that. Well, it's not – well, the last, Stylish Substance, episode 63, uh, was about the adventure designing. Mm-hmm. Like, And this is going to be more generalized. This isn't about adventure. This is about um, gameplay in general and uh, just just ro- role-playing games in general, yeah. not, not specifically uh, one-shots or campaigns or just – Plot versus polish. Yeah. Essentially, it's you – know, plot you – know, you know, polish would be you – know, Game like basically easy to play gameplay. Well, I would say the 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 smoothness of the game, mm-hmm. not necessarily simplicity, but like I didn't mean simplicity. I meant okay. just how you know how how e- how smoothly it plays. Yeah, it like for example, um, Palladium is not a very si- uh, smooth system. No, it is it's not. not a very you can't run a very smooth game in it because there's a lot of issues that come up where there's ambiguity where the rules are very unclear about things. I think I, hear, uh, I think I actually hear Caleb screaming right now. Yeah. Um, while talents can get that way when you have very specific superpowers interacting, uh, depending on how they're worded, how they're built. Um, but for example, um, monsters and other childish things, it's a very simple game or it's a, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's a less complex game. So there's more smoothness at the, the gameplay or 4e Dungeons and Dragons plays, uh, when the players understand all the rules, it plays a lot more smoothly. I remember than, you said you did, you were in a game where actually everyone knew the rules very well. Yeah. Dan ran a game that I didn't record, uh, where everyone knew the rules. It was a very casual game, but everybody was very much into the dungeon crawl. So Here's the uh, here's where this concept came or where this topic came from. Basically, in the last couple of weeks, I've been playing a lot of indie video games, computer games. Um, yeah. There's three in particular that I've been playing. Well, two games and a mod. Um, the first game is Swords and, Super Brothers Swords and Sorcery EP, which was a ri- sorcery sorcery. Yeah, with a W. Um, it was originally for iOS, iPads, and iPhones, um, but it was ported over to PC for Steam. 
and we'll have links to it in the in the shout outs and it's very much got a, a 16 slash 8 bit aesthetic uh very pixelated got got a very interesting unique soundtrack i, I saw a game but kind of reminded me of the uh like flashback games yeah yeah or yeah old, older adventure games and i love the production design i love the aesthetic of it but the gameplay itself was very clunky like all the combat was quick time events that mm-hmm. you know hit this at this specific juncture and it was very frustrating when you couldn't time it exactly right certain the the trigon fights were very frustrating and the puzzles got to be like i'm doing the thing i know what to do i just can't do it exactly right don't you hate that in puzzle yeah, games when those. it's like I know what to do. Let me pass, but I'm not getting my timing exactly right. So, uh, very clunky, very frustrating. So, that was a game where the plot was very good, or sort of like, but the the gameplay itself was very bad, or mm-hmm. I would say very, very. And also, it had a, a, one concept that was really intriguing, but the way it's implemented was very bad in that you need to be the you have to be in the new moon or in the full moon to get to access certain areas in yeah. the game but it's not the in-game clock it's the real actual world. real yeah. world so you actually have to wait or change your system clock in order to advance in the game and i love the idea of having to actually look up the phases of the moon like real world knowledge in order to progress in a video or to to master a video game because that that's that's an amazing concept because it, it like makes you think of the outside world and it creates this kind of weird uh, sort of uh, feeling that the game is it, it's an immersive feeling actually I think so I love that feeling in the game but the way they implement it was that you are blocked because you did this out of sequence and you either have to cheat and you actually get an achievement uh, achievement that says you cheated in the game which I didn't want uh, or because you can't get 100% uh, mm-hmm. completion if you do that and um, yeah it's just a very and waiting uh, like waiting yeah weeks to uh, yeah so basically, what I didn't—that's what I didn't like about it. And what I did is, um, what I would have liked to see is something like you know, an RPG where certain phases of the moon change your character, give you penalties or bonuses in certain areas. So it would have been easier if I did this in this phase of the moon, or I could have tried a different way in, mm-hmm. in a certain phase of the moon, or something like that. Not something so binary. You have to be in this phase of the moon to di- progress in a video game. Um, so that was one game. The second game was Lone Survivor, which is um, I got both of these games from the latest Humble Bundle, by the way. Mm-hmm. And the the Lone Survivor is a side-scrolling psychological, well, not psychological, post-apocalyptic survival horror RPG slash adventure uh, where you play the Lone Survivor. Everyone else has been killed by this plague, and there's all these weird mutants wandering around with no faces that are called thin men and you have to avoid them or shoot them. Well, you have to get the gun first and it's very much in the mode of silent Hill too. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of vagueness, but it's a lot of creepiness and it's just an excellent, excellent game. But the gameplay itself was clunky, not as bad as swords and sorcery, but there's certain times where I had to redo certain sequences just because my character, the controls were so like, unresponsive because mm-hmm. you only have like the the arrows on your keyboard not you know a gamepad or a mouse or anything so i, I don't know right. were the puzzles like were they simple enough to understand or oh yeah yeah it wasn't like in sword and sorceries you know how the puzzle worked but if you don't make execute it right like at one point you have to move your mouse over certain areas at a certain timing like to create 
uh, like play waterfalls like a harp. Like you, you move mm-hmm. the mouse over it and it's like plucking a string. But if you don't do it exactly right, you have to start over. Um, so that was the thing. But you didn't have that in Lone Survivor. Um, there was a quick time thing where you're being chased by a monster, but. Yeah, it, it just, I mean, I mean, this is kind of reminded me of uh, a game for the NES, of all things, The Uninvited. Yeah. Which is kind of like, you know, the, uh, it's kind of the point and click going to rooms that are mostly static and then looking around them. Yeah. But there's like one, like, you know, there's one part, there's a t- under- underground passage patch with a monster in the way, and there's a plate at the ground, and again, the game gives you no clues. So if you have to actually you have to put a cookie on this plate to get the monster gone, but you can't get the cookies unless you open up this jar, which you have first have to open a safe that they don't tell you how to get. Well, the it's code. not it, it's not nearly that that mm. complex. Like but you, you I, I mean, but it's it sounds it sounds long. At least you know the but you know how to do them. It's just a matter of pulling them off. Well, and I mean that one. It's more it's it's vague. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I used a walkthrough to help me through it but simply because I I. I'm that guy. I use walkthroughs to get through video games because I just feel like I have to beat as many video games as possible in life. And that, you know, yeah, I, I do it right if I beat it uh, correctly or whatever, or if I don't use a spoiler or if I don't use walkthroughs or whatever. But, like, I want to keep playing more games. I want to try different games. If I spend too long on one game, I won't get to try all these other games. You know what I mean? So, anyway. so that I had, admire your dedication. So that had, that had a great, great, great plot. And it had very kind of clunky gameplay where it like I loved what was going on in the game. I just didn't like playing it so much in a lot of ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand. So uh, and then finally, actually, there's a lot of games. Actually, I love to watch people play, but I yeah. don't want to play. Right. Uh, and in fact, that's the next thing, which is DayZ, which is a mod for Arma 2, which is I, I think I think I mentioned it on the show. I finally broke down and bought Arma 2 because okay. I was waiting. I couldn't. I just like, fuck it. I'm going to try it. Because, you know, I like zombies. i got to play all the zombie games. This is madness. I know. Uh, so, Armit in Daisy, you don't even start with a pistol anymore. You literally start unarmed without a melee weapon. If a single zombie shows up, you're basically fucked. Yeah, you might be able to outrun it, but uh, that's your... It's really fucking annoying. And you're still probably going to get killed. And... It's the kind of game that is extreme. It's an alpha mod, so they have all these excuses. But it's you know very, 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 very difficult, and there's nothing to do. Like once you get, even if you get in the end game, which is getting good weapons and items and shit like that, what the fuck are you going to do other than just peg, you know, shoot other players? And it's it's interesting in a way because Daisy, the game itself, is really bad. Mm-hmm. Like the gameplay is really bad. Like it's cumbersome. It's buggy it's extremely buggy it's extremely imbalanced unbalanced at all but it's it's still i think so popular because of the meta game because people are thinking like okay one way to cheat in the game or cheat quote unquote is that whenever you play on a server there's many servers for it it saves everything about your character your your uh to a central database so your items your health every and your location in the game will be saved regardless of the server so on server so if you want to kill somebody and you see them they're over in this position you could quit your server join another server that's empty move over to a position a perfect ambush ambush spot quit that server then rejoin the original server and then ambush the guy you basically teleport 
Nice. So that's metagaming, extreme metagaming, like the most blatant metagaming, but that's legal in the game. I mean, that's that's allowed by the rules of the game. Because um, they, well, they might not have the ability to stop people from doing that. So right. um, that's... It's it's fascinating for me to be to see people in like these videos of people going around playing the game, but playing the game. I mean, we'll do a let's play of it on Railery. I, I will do that because I bought the game. I might as well get some use out yeah. of it. But I'm not going to play it for fun because what's the point? It's not fun. Well, yeah, it's not fun. So that in the sense is the the game that you know no plot and no polish. Like it's so complex, so bogged down with. Uh, bad implementation because it's buggy and just some of the design decisions like not giving you a fucking starting weapon like just give me a crowbar so I can kill the one zombie that's chasing me you know I don't want to be able to kill all of the zombies that's fine you, what, you're, you say you don't need an orbital defense cannon no or well I mean I understand the balance reason you want to give newbies too good of a gun because then people will just kill them you know you know um, hunt them for sport or whatever so I understand that, but like, you need to give them some way to defend themselves because otherwise, it's completely arbitrary. You show up on the beach with a backpack, a flashlight, and a bandage, but nothing else. You don't even have a crowbar. You can't even punch the zombies. This is America. Well, Everyone's actually, got a gun. Well, and not in Chernasaw or wherever the game is supposed to be. It's like Eastern. It's supposed to be like this Eastern European Soviet satellite. Guns, still. Yeah, still guns. Um, so I think there are, aren't there more almost more guns than there are people in certain in like America. Oh well, probably. I, so yeah, I wouldn't on. doubt it. Um, so that's that's sort of what I, I've been thinking. About. It made me think about game design and gameplay. You know, what is about role playing games that is when you're getting too complex or too uh, high ended in terms of plot and story and sort of high end ideas versus core gameplay i mean what is the trade-off between those two things what is the balance what is it about a game that makes it fun minute by minute just 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 the pure gameplay like is it better to have a simple dungeon crawl that is free of relatively you know people beer and pretzel game people show up it's a really polished dungeon crawl game you know but that's all it's going to be. There's no overarching. The plot is like kill the bad guy, you know, or get something. the treasure, or save the prin- even save the princess is a stretch. Uh, so is it better to have a really polished game that doesn't do anything weird or unusual, or is it better to have a game where you're changing the destinies of the world, like in the New World D and D campaign, where kind of yeah. like in the last few sessions, like I, we start with a very simple dungeon crawl kind of game, but and by the end we get in this sort of like mythical reshaping the world and the destiny of everyone in the universe. And I kind of have to wing it, you know, there's no rules for it. There's mm-hmm. no, the gameplay is totally unpolished cause I'm just making it up as I go along and it's not mechanically fair or balanced at all. So that's kind of the trade off of them thinking. So that's, that's, that's the idea that I want to yeah. get across in the discussion I want to have. So Tom, well, to me, to me, I don't know if I'm the right person to me. It's a easy question to me. Plot is way more important than polish. I would much rather play a more freeform style where we really affect or maybe things. Maybe not even freeform, but like bad. Just like the only rules that you can find are just not okay. Like, actually, not palladium okay. bad, but no, not no. Great. Actually, no. I, I was actually going to use palladium. Oh yeah. There were some times like we were playing. Uh, like I played riffs. I was in high school once. Yeah. After the eighties, it came out. I played riffs, and yeah, most of them were, uh, you know. 
I am, you know, Garthak, destroyer of worlds with a rail with a boom gun. Yeah. But no, there were some times we had some good GMs. I believe Ross, you were actually one of them. You were no, you used the Palladium system, but you had scenarios that drew us in. And eventually, yes, when combat started, we have to like, okay, here we go. Yeah. But when we were out of combat, just like getting to the plot, dealing with each other, it I think it was it all comes down to group. Right. The group you have is really, I think, if you if you just have guys that show up for three hours to a, to do a beer and pretzels game, that's all they want to do. Yeah. Well, it could be even complex. Like the thing is, the one of the things I want to make is that this is not based on system. This is not a choice of system because you can be have the same those two different types of games, a very polished or a very plot heavy game uh, within the same system. For example, you could do in D and D third edition, you could have level one dungeon crawling. Where or like level three to five, where characters are, have a couple of abilities but not too much, every and just have a really polished dungeon that's very fun, you know, mm-hmm. like keep of the Borderlands kind of thing. And on the other hand, you could do epic D and D, where you had where the rules just like they tried, but you can tell they just they gave up after a certain point. Mm-hmm. The DCs, the numbers, they just don't make fucking sense. And like we've played epic D and D, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, we had the. We had the battle, especially the like, Lithid City that took two sessions, right? And even then, that was at level twenty something. You get to level, we tried that level forty thing, and that just disintegrated almost entire like on contact as soon as we started. Because uh, yeah, the thing I discovered about like when you're like level forty D and D, why the fuck are you adventuring? Right, you 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 with like epic level leadership, you can control an empire. Why would you want to busy yourself with that shit? Well, I, and you know, so that you have the same rule set, but you have characters that have very well defined limitations and abilities, strength and weaknesses, and then you get into the high, you know, mm-hmm. and the system kind of I think disintegrates after a certain point. It gets kind of like it falls apart. Uh, so, you know, what is the balance between that? What, what works and what doesn't, and what is better? Well, because I mean, okay. is it better to like? Well, using okay, using uh, the new world. Yeah, is it? Yeah, it started that way. You know the game. Once again, the game started, as you said, we went on missions, which mostly involved delving into things and the, to try to still try to help the colony survive. Now that was you know heroic tier by Paragon tier. You know we still did the delving, but it's more because for we did it for our own ends. We yeah. wanted to get our start accumulating our own power. Right. It wasn't really until Epic that we it really it got way more esoteric. See, I mean, that, that's the thing, because, like, in the New World campaign, I started delving more into this plot thing, and it wasn't necessarily power creep. It was, like, covering things the system didn't really mean mm. to cover, which was, like, social change and, like, political influence and stuff like that. And you have to – the more you get into something that the system doesn't cover, you know, it's basically the ice gets thinner and thinner, you know, and sooner or later you kind of have screw-ups or you get, you're, you're, you have a greater chance of falling through, like – how do you mechanic like a f- combat? Yeah, you you can see who's going to live and who's going to die very very but very like, but fairly. Like, but I think. a negotiation, yeah, and where, well, where it, which cannot just be settled by a single diplomacy role. Right. It's very easy if you come up with these mechanic like an election or something like that, which we did later on. Like, how do you make that as interesting as a con? Like, and if you do that, like you spend all your effort coming up with this election mechanic. Then, you know, the next thing that's going to come up, you know, you're not going to be able to cover more of this. So do you, as a GM, like for me, I just kind of kept winging it and the players went along with it. But like, I always had this feel like I'm not running a good game because it's not fair to the players. Well, okay. once again, I I need to bring back it's trust. 
every last player in the group, and I'm speaking for all of them, I know, we yeah. trust you yeah. as a GM. Like, Actually, I think most people that run games, we trust. Yeah. Aaron, we trust Aaron when he runs a game. Yeah. We trust them to, uh, you know, to be fair. We know we don't have favorites in this group. Yeah. Everyone does their thing, and they do, do it well. I think... Really, you can, this is a lot less of a problem in groups that have trust. Right. It's like, you know, if we have groups that don't, I'm not saying groups that don't trust each other, but groups that haven't developed that yet. Yeah. That's really, I really think it's just, it's really an issue when you have a group like that. That's what I think rules are good for, for groups that don't know each other too well or have not, haven't played together. Well, I mean, that, that's kind of the, the that, is, that, that is a good point. But, I mean, even with groups that trust each other, it... it there can come up issues where it's like if you don't have that's why polish is so important i think is because it makes things fair and helps increase trust when you realize okay this happened to my character and it sucks you know he died he's exiled or whatever but well, i know it was because the game played out that well, way well to me i think no i'm what i'm saying to me my my opinion is you have to have a bit of both you cannot i don't well, yeah. i do not believe you can run a game with only just one right and it's just it's really just the ratio of what you do it because even when you were doing stuff that had no rules yeah. you thought up rules on the spot right but those aren't going to be as good or no that, they're not yeah. but but they they do the job is essentially if it does the job and but every, do they so the I, thing, mean, I, I well that, that well we can argue on that for yeah. hours whether it does the job because I'm saying in the times I've gamed with you it's done the job yeah we've done it I mean and and it's not just me we all looked around the table everyone thought that was that was a good decision a good fair rule. And we went with it. We I don't think we've we've had a few times when that's happened, and someone claims, "Well, wait, that doesn't make any sense, or that's not fair." Right. And only then do you really need. To, okay, well, maybe this, like, maybe you had a good idea, but we need to refine it a little bit. I mean, another thing is, is it even fair for the GM to run the kind of game where you run into these issues even before you, what, like, well before you get to that that decision where you're like doing an election in D and D where there's no mechanics and you have to make it up on the fly in the spot? Is it fair for a GM to even like put players in that spot where they either have to okay ad hoc or not bat or def- even if you spend time developing the rules you're not going to play test them they're not going to be as good as the combat rules well okay one so, second. Well, well, hold on. okay I'm- that's fine um is it fair for a gm to come up with this kind of concept for a game and put his players they only have the choice of saying yes or no like either they agree with the concept and the, the rules as the gm uh, has either written them up how you know homebrewed them house ruled them whatever or makes up on the spot or saying no and ending the game like that's i think kind of an awkward spot for a gm to put the players in so when you're a gm you know do you when you design in a, a game how much do you just rely on what the system what the game itself does well and how much do you just like bucket we're gonna you know we're just gonna go off in unventured territory and just you know, who cares if it isn't fair? Let's. It's a, my story is more important. Do, do you see what yeah, I'm? Yeah, no, I'm getting what you're yeah, okay. saying. All and right. I, once again, the th- and again, most of the time those situations have come up. We agreed to be in them. Yeah. You know, like in the case of I know like elections, you mentioned. I mean, really, something you just mentioned that you know there's an election coming up for something. Yeah. We could Mayor. involve. Our, yeah, we could involve ourselves in it, or we could not. And sometimes you know you probably never intended us to you know influence it that directly, but. For some reason, something breaks through our brains and goes to our pleasure center. Realize, no, this sounds like something really fun to do in the game. Right. Most of the time, I say my opinion. I can't speak wrong, but my opinion. Most of the time, if you're in that situation, the group has, to some extent, agreed to be there. Yeah. With you, it's I have. 
I have yet to encounter, especially with you, a situation where we got into an awkward situation where there were no rules and it came out of nowhere and we, you know, we didn't expect it. Right. I think every situation like that, we have had some inkling that something like this was coming up. Right. And to an extent, I believe, yes, it comes down to it's a collaboration between the GM and the players. But most of the situations that I have observed, there's been some agreement already that both the GM and the players thought this would be fun to go to. Okay. So I really kind of think I don't even it's I don't even think it it's really an issue to be fair because most stuff in games there has been some mutual agreement, however right. little. Right. I mean, it's it's, you it's know, I don't think a player could ever just go, "Well, well, where the hell did that come from?" You know, like where did an election come from? You never mentioned anything about an election. Right. That's definitely an issue. You don't want to like pull the rug out from under them and say you really thought the game is going to be about this, but we're really playing made the RPG. You know, mm-hmm. like or you're really going to be doing. You know, I get, yeah. You don't want to do a, a bait and switch. Um, but it, as a GM, like I just feel like you know it's not just it's not just a story you're not just telling them so you have to have a game there that is a storytelling game that no one knows the outcome it absolutely certainly i think that's that's the core and of what makes i totally unique you know it's a story that is created as it is being and played i can mostly just speak from this group yeah I don't think that's ever been an issue with us. With because us, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, yes. I've there's other. I'm sure you know, other groups. I've been in a couple of games where right. it, you know, some stuff has just come up, and I've I've seen that in several ways. I've seen situations like that where the GM just goes, "Okay, well, let's actually just retcon it back back a few hours and just yeah. ignore this." I've seen it ignored totally. I've seen really bad, you know, bad stuff drawn up. Like actually, there was a. Um, it was a riffs game back in during the high school days. It, it's coming up. It's we were actually trying Talking about bad rules, and suddenly riffs keeps coming up. I don't know what that is. What what is that? What's up with that? Tom? I don't know. All I'm going to say is Palladium, dude. Awesome settings, it's, but fix your system, please. Not going to happen. I know, but I'm just saying, never going to happen. Anyway, you know, it was essentially we were trying to. It was a, a tribe of the Simavan monster riders. Yeah, we were trying to negotiate with like the heir to the tribe to get him to agree with us, but the leader won't, so we're trying to convince a number to overthrow the current leader. Yeah. So it's actually, our guns are put away, and we're trying. We're actually trying to do backroom deals, yeah. which if you've played D&D, I'm sorry, if you played Palladium, that's not easy to do. Yeah, there's no social skills. You can't and the GM, the GM actually came up with a uh, system to who was, you know, just using the MA, you know, the mental affinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To who's more charismatic. I'm like, we're all like... Wait a minute! No, this is like a tri- this is like a warrior tribe. It doesn't matter who's more charismatic. Yeah. No, this should be this should be like a combat thing or something. like the GM's like no 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 this this will work and it didn't because right. you know these are these are like tribal these are tribal leaders. None of them have strong enemy. They're warriors. Right. Right. And so the, we had a, an el- when our elf player was supposed to be the main person that was going to do this like. They would never trust this outsider. Like, well, she has the she does have the highest MA. Like, finally, we're like, screw it, just yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's a failure of the rules right there, and that that sort of hurts the game. Um, now, it should have actually been now the way I would. Once again, you you have to yeah you can't just totally you have, there has to be some rules right in any situation you actually have to have some mechanic whether it's a modified version of the system or just something you threw together in your brain at the last minute right. And sometimes it's going to work, and sometimes it's not. It's just you know, so often uh, a game's story hinges on mechanics that are not 
well made. Like, and mm-hmm. not just like in like combat in pretty much virtually every RPG, combat is the is the core mechanic. That's the yes, con- it is, and it's the most balance out of all. It gets the most effort from the game designers. It has the greatest chance of being balanced. I'm not saying they're all balanced. I'm just saying, like, that's where they put the majority of their hours in the game on is the combat engine, how combat works out. Yet there's so many things that are resolved in a game outside of combat that, you know, is it fair to the story that combat has all this complexity and all this very interesting mechanics, you know, uh, while diplomacy is a die roll is a die roll if that or it's a simple thing i know there's games that have social combat that have that have addressed this uh but even those there are other issues you know uh like one thing that i realized you know the next campaign you know oh i will say we have finished concluded that here's an arcade equipment we're not going to spoil it at all we're not going to mention no no, it. no we're not no, so we're just going to leave that in the air um simply because you know we actually we're going to do epilogue games so like you know just because we, we finished the main campaign we can't do epilogue so uh-huh. that is, that is, it's a comic book hero game so yeah. yeah exactly so and you know there there's uh alternate universes the ultimate also, yeah yeah the ultimate yeah so we're so and it's a ways off from the podcast like the podcast episodes are a ways off so um like what I was thinking, the, the main thing, the part is like after uh, the next game I'm going to run, the next campaign is going to be a shorter campaign, but it's going to be Iron Heroes. It's going to be business themed, like your merchants on the Silk Road trading, uh, giving supplies to armies, trading, you know, uh, su- equipping an army basically as it goes around and uh, rampages around the world. Mm-hmm. So like because that, that was the thing, like the, in the Middle Ages, logistics was handled by uh traveling merchants peddlers so that's the thing i'm gonna do and what games cover business business is just trade is like this massive like unoverwhelming influence in all of history of all of time and this thing that has this but it takes a huge backseat yeah, it's never even mentioned the in the importance of trade or like the the drama of trade and business. You know, uh, it's just kind of way. Then again, we are America. We're not exactly a bartering culture. Well, I mean, they say the business of the American people is business. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not just bartering; it's trade. It's just this massive thing that has a huge potential for drama, uh, for conflict, for storytelling, and we ignore it. You yeah. know, in games, Mad Men, right. there will be blood. Right, kind of right. Stuff. Why don't we? I Wall mean, Street. I, and I know there are indie games that can cover that. You know, Fiasco mm-hmm. and other things that can that can kind of manage it. But like, why is there no like business RPG? You know, uh, th- these are the kind of things that game mechanics don't really cover very well. Um, so, but game the stories of games still revolve around them. So. Is it fair to gamers uh, to have a game where you know, only 50% of the conflict is resolved in an interesting game and the rest of it is just kind of like a coin flip? Mm-hmm. So that that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about. What's better? Is it better to stick to the strengths of the game engine and, and use those to fuel your, your uh, story? Or how i mean you know we've talked about our group and what our standards are and yeah i think you're right you know we have a lot of trust and we're a, everyone I mean, can, we, a, everyone i think i think the thing is everybody at our table knows when i'm just like fucking around in terms of game mm-hmm. mechanics like but, i'm just making this shit and also like a, our first reaction is to help out to pitch right. in yeah that's kind of just that's a group that's been together a long time that's just how they work yeah so and that's what i think makes it even better yeah 
but I think, and so yeah, that, so that's one solution. If everybody has a lot of trust, everybody trusts the GM to come up with game mechanics that they all agree upon. And they, they, I think that they're aware that there are these improvised that I'm just having to make up new game mechanics out of thin air mm. um, is, is fair. But like, you know, I, I tend to go for game stories that go that will, I know they're going to go that way. You know, I'm going to like, oh, like, in New World Campaign, well, you're going to be talking to the forces of mythology, you know, Thunderbird and all this other shit, and we're just going to get fucking cosmic up in this bitch. You know, like, it's it's not even, uh, like, we stopped doing standard combats in there. Of course, that was mainly because for he combat was had hit point inflation in Epic Tier, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, it, and it eventually just, just, it just became a slog. Right, right. So, I mean... They, I know, I know. You, you actually kind of modified the uh, hit points versus the damage the creatures did, right? Yeah, I think... Um, well, I know for Dark Sun, I like had solo hit points and gave them more damage. So, I mean, yeah. They're, 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 like, just because I say it's what they get the most hours in and get designed doesn't mean that it's perfectly balanced. It just means that's the best chance of being balanced or mm-hmm. being fun. I mean, like... This is lame. Why do we... I mean, getting more philosophical, why do we have a game telling us the story? Like... Um, because for me, it, because it adds uncertainty, it means that the story isn't predetermined by a single storyteller. It means that, or any storyteller, it's by this element of chance that we get more organic stories that have greater drama. Does yeah, that, I mean, yeah, yeah, I got you. You know, like we know that the hero is going to defeat the villain in the end, but that, does that mean he's going to save the princess? Or not, or like you know, we know that that that's the standard. But in a game, we don't know if he will or not. You know, and then if he does, is he going to save the princess? Is he going to die himself? Uh, is his friend going to die? Is he, he going to lose this special magic item that makes him a hero? Uh, just you or know, what's he going to do after he gets the princess? Right. So mm-hmm. there's this element of this this chant that I think is what makes uh, gaming stand out. So what? How important is the game part as opposed to the role playing part? Um, that that's kind of what I've been thinking about. So, from and it seems to me just I mean I, I I'm this is even even an opinion. This is just what I've observed. Yeah, it seems to me the the lower the simpler you know the simpler the game the less polish you need, and that, and that goes by leveling. I'm talking about the like, what, what do you mean by like simple like do you mean like games like Rhesus or Wushu? Where no, I'm more talking about like I guess the power level of the game is more okay. what I'm thinking. Because it is, it does seem that when like like level one D and D, even if you're planning to take it to this amazing place like the New World, we still started doing very basic stuff where the system was the game the system yeah. was well established, you know, and and you know, perf- well balanced, and just the stronger we got, the more we seemed to stretch the rules out. But to and you know, then you get to Paragon tier. Now the rules are stretched even further, but still mostly holding. Yeah. But by the time we get to Epic, those the rules, the stretching has gotten so much it's starting to tear. Yeah. Now holes are appearing, and the holes have to be patched by often improvised stuff. Right. Um, and I think it's the 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 tearing isn't from the combat because Epic combat. I'm not, yeah, it's not talking about combat either. Yeah, combat was still balanced in there. I mean, yeah, it wasn't perfect, but it was still like basically there. It wasn't like we suddenly could just incinerate all our foes because we started facing epic foes. So that was still balanced. But you're right. At out, like Outside of combat, epic characters play very differently than Paragon or heroic-tier uh, mm. characters. Um, like a heroic-tier character in a social encounter would be like convincing a single guy to do a thing. 
mm-hmm. Paragon tier, that's ridiculously easy. You know, like that's that's no longer a challenge. Right. Now you're now you're trying to convince large groups of people. Or very important people that are very hard to convince, you know, somebody like a king or a traitor, but like an epic You're talk we're talking to demigods. Right. So like what do you remember anything from the New World specifically about that? Like uh, like I well like dealing with I I love dealing with getting the two elementals to to marry so we can okay. do that yeah. or uh, trying to like trying to talk a uh, ant down yeah just st- stuff like that and you realize now this is not yeah this is not like convincing the butcher to give you a bargain on you know meat you're yeah. buying we're like we're we're talking with with primal forces of this world and you don't talk to them the same way yeah. And I'll say, yeah, like, in this case, talking to a single guy, like, do we even need to role play this? Like, right. I'm going to, like, I could come here, like, I'm going to take all your profits for the rest of your life. What do you think of that? Yeah. And he would have no choice but to, like, yes, sir, here, here's my meager profits. Right. Yeah, I, I roll so well, like, you know. Um, so there's this huge potential for, you know, exploiting or metagaming, thinking outside, like, oh, I can do this now, so I'll just do that, you know, and work up a huge advantage. Um, but yeah, the rules need to change with the, the stronger, the, with the higher power level of the game. Right. You know, like, when the power level gets up to 9,000... Well, it's not even, like... I think it's not even necessary low to high power. It's, like, from starting point to end point. Like, there's the difference between your beginning and the end of the journey, uh, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, like, the, or the end game, and how much your character changes uh, uh, outside of that is very important. You know, in some games, your character hardly changes at all. You know, or it basically stays the same. Um, and I know we talked about dynamic versus static characters and that kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, if you, if you like your rule set can only accommodate so much. So yeah, it just comes down to that question. Like how much of the game do you base in areas that the rules can't handle? How much, or how much are you going to just focus on? There's no, there is, there is no straight answer to this. It depends on your own personal opinions. I think, I think there are some objective like guidelines. I think there are some things you should not. um, There are some like game system. There are some hard rules like, uh, you know, for again, I think having the rules try to simulate everything. Or try to like try to solve like I think one problem is trying to create a rule set that can solve all the problems, right? Um, so and by that I mean like again the Day Z thing where you have care. It's so like you, your character can get cold, so he needs to stay warm. He, he has to have food and water. He has to have, you know get blood if uh, from a blood bag to heal himself. You know he, it, it's very very realistic, quote unquote. But like. If you simulate things too much, you know, then it you you it's just not fun. It stops being like you can only put so many rules in a game. Yeah, I got you. So I think that's the first thing you can't. You have to accept that there are going to be areas, there are going to be weak yeah. spots in your game. I think rules should be the rules should be like the amount of laws for a good democracy. You know, like it's like more than anarchy, less than fascism, which is a very very. Uh, Varying thing depending on who you're asking. Mm. So uh, there's that. Um, I think another thing uh, to keep in mind. So I think so again. The Daisy approach is wrong. Just like having super complex rules, you know, Phoenix Command of you know mm. kind of thing is just too much. And uh, no rules at all is not the way to go either. Well, then it's not a role playing game. I mean, yeah. it has to have some rules to be a role playing game. Otherwise, it's just pretend. Well, yeah, exactly. 
And uh, like no, like I have like I have a super laser. Well, I have a super laser shield. No, yeah. yeah, you're just playing Calvin Ball at that point, which was fine, but you know whatever. So yeah, you have to have some rules, but you can't to accept that your rules will have weaknesses. Um, and then you have to think about like how well you can handle the weak spots. How well can you handle those points in the mm-hmm. game where you're not going to have the polish? Or you're not going to have the smoothness. Uh, and like for us, I know I, the reason I think one of the reasons why I do go into all these weird areas, uh, you know, like in the night, Haster game, Carcosa games and the New World campaign and some of the others is because I know the group will will go with me to these weird fucking places like, you know, places that are outside the norm. So uh, that that's very important to know how far where your group will go with you. So if you want to do a game like you're going to be um, Beijing Peking opera singers, it's going to be an opera, you know, uh, (laughs) Peking opera. Like that's the game. Like if you know your group will go with you. All right. Well, they'll go with you. But like if they don't, you know, it doesn't matter how polished the game is. Um, Yeah. So it comes down to that group again. Yeah. Well, if you're trying to do Peking opera like in D&D and so everyone's like basically a bard. You know, singing and dancing and shit like that. You don't even have fights in it. It's just singing and dancing the entire time, which is like interesting. But like, how many people are going to want that? Or better yet, like fourth ed D and D, everyone's a bard, and you're really playing. You're just reskinning everything, so you're Jim, and you're just going through a battle of the bands with other 1980s cartoon. Fuck you, Ross. <laughs> and I hate you now. There's no fighting, there's very or there's very little fighting. So we're just truly outrageous. It's just skill challenges and being truly outrageous and describing <laughs> dance maneuvers. You know, I actually had an idea. Like after after the Base Raiders RPG Kickstarter, I think I'll do a Haster Carcosa one. But after that, after that, I think I want to do a dance off RPG Kickstarter, like where it's like step off or something like that, where you just resolve everything through dancing. Like you got served. Yeah, you got served. You get served as a, as instead of fighting. Like there's no fighting <laughs> mechanics. It's literally dancing for everything that you can use in any system in any scenario. It, no, it'd be a whole RPG. Like it'd just wow. be a whole game, just dance off the RPG. So so it's like a musical except dancing. Yeah, it's yeah you getting served. So. Uh, yeah, that's so. In that case, the 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 dancing mechanics and that better be fucking polished. Yeah, but you're not gonna do the civil war unless it's a really fucking weird civil war, you know. Uh, <laughs> instead of cannons, yeah, yeah, boom boxes. So I'm just going off on a tangent at this point. So well, I think Pickett's charge would have been very different. So okay, so the first two rules, I think, you know, don't realize you can't simulate everything. You can't have rules for everything. You can't have great rules for everything. Um, two, you can't. You have to know how far your group will go with you. In terms of the weird spots, the the, the weak spots of a game, uh, so and I think the thing is to to always try to have a balance. Even if you're going to do some experimental stuff, always put at least some polished stuff in there so everybody has fun. Because if it's just you're going in the weird spots, you're going in the areas of the rules that don't make sense, or that you're having to improvise, then it, get, it gets too loosey goosey, and you might as well be playing Calvin Ball. I mean, yeah, I mean, because even in the New World campaign, it was mostly pretty standard stuff. So mm-hmm. um, there were a couple of times, you know, at the end, I felt like I felt kind of bad at the end because I wasn't like it was nothing but the weird stuff that I was making up as I was going along. But so. that was also the finale. So yeah. Uh, I think it fit. And by May and I was going along, remember, I had the story figured out. I know what was going to happen, but I couldn't figure out the mechanics 
quite exactly. So, and even if I did, it wouldn't have been play tested, so it really wouldn't have mattered if right. I did or not. So, it's because I do pretty good at that. I mean, Tom, what about you? Do you ever do like uh, going outside the rules or? I often, yeah, I often do if it's if it if it makes sense. I'll often do it. I mean, sometimes, especially it's a lot. A lot of the games I do, I like to do a lot of interaction, mm-hmm. and I do kind of hate. Okay, well, I, okay, I I often hate the you know like inter, like diplomacy roles being solved by a die roll. Yeah, I I often want I want something more. Right. It's, okay, if it's just like negotiating to get a better hotel room, I, that's fine. A die roll can do that. But when it's like interrogations, I especially don't want to just leave to a die roll. You know, I really like to, I like to. Uh, I like to actually do those out. Mm-hmm. And yes, my players aren't professional interrogators. Right. So, but I often, I, so I can't just have it, you know, well, you're just going to have to think of something that I think is suitable for this guy to start talking. But, you know, I'll, you know, I will do, I, I'll come up with stuff using skills they wouldn't even think of doing. You know, like I'll encourage, I'll encourage them to use their other skills to help out, like psychology or some guy leaving to go look up this guy's past. Right. Yeah, it, it's stuff that's not covered in a lot of games, but right. I like I, I like to I, I like to do kind of stuff like that that's still in the rules, but it's using rules never intended for well, that. Well, the interrogation is actually a really good example because, um, yeah, you if you you're saying you're you're ignoring the system as is, which is essentially a, a it's skill an, inter- check. an interrogation rule. Okay, so you're you're ignoring the system, so you're going off the beaten path, and what you you described your approach, which is basically. They tell you what they're going to do, and then you decide if it works or not, right? Well, yeah. Or I try to use as many skills as possible. Well, I mean, that's the thing. How much, how far, like, is it, do you come up with any sort of rules or internal guidelines for yourself? Essentially, well, essentially what, what I like to do with interrogations, Yeah, I actually have, you know, like, I'll, I'll put tick marks for the number, like, for the bonuses or slashes for a penalty. Like, say someone decides, okay, I'm going to use just, like, you know, Empathy an empathy check. I'm using this. This it uses the cyberpunk skill, so it's basically yeah. emotional perception. Right. If someone like rolls uh, rolls right off the bat and fails that roll, I'll put a check a minus. Okay, you're now at a current penalty with this guy because you okay. totally misread his his face. Okay. I'll I'll keep that going as long as they want it to go. But also, this guy gets to do stuff to them too. Okay. You know, like he gets to use his own skills, or he gets to look at watch them and see if it, like say someone tries to use intimidate. But I'll actually ask them, you know, are you actually prepared to do that to this guy? Because, you know, a lot of them, you know, they have characters that say that would be totally against what you've you played this character on. So if a guy says, I threatened to smash his knees with a hammer, if the guy rolls and says, knows he's never going to smash my knees with a hammer, he'll, have a, he'll actually have a bonus on him to resist any further things. And it keeps going until finally, you know, I, it finally does come down to an, into an inter- interrogation role. It does, okay. But... I then factor all that stuff that happened over the course of it into it. Okay. So essentially, it's not just a static role. It's, no, you have to work at this. Okay. Can I, I mean, that, that's only going to actually slightly outside the rules because the rules, uh, well, pretty much every system, allow you to stack up modifiers. So, like, do you put any hard limits, like how long they can keep trying, or they, or can they just, like, I'm going to go from A through Z on all of my skills. How does zoology affect him? Huh? Is he afraid yeah, of Yeah, no, I, I, I have limits. Okay. Is it because just a reasonable it, thing that you just kind of... Mm, no, it's. I'll let them do it, but I actually have in my. I have kind of have in my mind. But the, it's okay. It, it's, I have, it's the ridiculousness of it. Okay. If someone tries to use zoology, like say, have you ever heard of the Centroxia five fighting fish? Yeah. You know, it's it's like very rare fish has this chemical in it, and he's like, 
So are you going to use this on me? You're just yeah. you're like what the fuck is this? So I actually I, I'll actually make the modifiers for you know the guy to resist even higher because you're just pulling shit out of your ass right now, aren't you? All right. I actually I had an interrogation go where someone tried to use like just tried to throw the kitchen sink of skills at this guy. Okay. And by the time he was done, this guy he had like he had like a plus seventeen to resist being interrogated. At the end of it, the guy rolls and I and uh, he rolled like you know, he rolled like a nine so he rolled very well on a 10 to get to do this and the guy's like you're pulling all this shit out of your ass aren't you <laughs> ouch and it's yeah so, so basically they, so they can keep trying until they you feel until they decide they the players can keep trying yeah. things until they I mean, it's, it's, decide. Me, it's me playing the guy they're interrogating so it's not like um, in like for example, a- L.A. Noir, you only have so many questions you can ask a guy, no, and then I you mean, have to either charge him or. I've, I've seen okay, I mean, it's movies, but I've seen a lot of interrogation scenes. Yeah, and I've no, they can go on for hours and hours. Okay, so you, so it's up to the players. So you just mm-hmm. give them as much time. So that's kind of it's kind of turns it, into a mini all, game because where it, it involves mo- one of my favorite things in games is interaction with players and NPCs. Okay, I lo- that's it's what what the group I mainly your play, bread and butter yeah. loves. Yeah. So it's just a lot of that, but eventually, the more you do it pointlessly, the more this guy is going to realize you're not taking this seriously. Okay. So you're sticking actually pretty close to the system. I normally do. It's I don't think I've really ever truly just gone way out there and just. So like I mean, for example, like if you want like, I'm thinking just off the top of my head, if I were doing an interrogation scene, like you could use that mechanic, and I'd probably do something like that myself because that that's easy. It's close to the system, so why do that? But you could do a thing where it's like a keyword thing. If they, it's like a puzzle. If you can find the three things, the three mm-hmm. the guy the guy's three weak spots. He'll then turn on you. So if you can figure out that his girlfriend's pregnant, and he wants, and that you know his uh, parents are ashamed of him, and that his uh, he hates his job. You and then you realize, oh, because of those three things, he wants to get a lot of money to you know marry his girlfriend and make his and you know leave his job. So if you offer him a better job, then he he'll instantly flip. You know, for mm-hmm. example, so no skill, no no die roll required. So that's going outside of the thing, but that 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 turns it into a puzzle where you yeah. have to find the three Actually, pieces. In this game, there's really only one thing I haven't had to do yet, but I'm, I am working on it. Yeah, because it's basically it's a sci-fi space opera with yeah. a lot of horror, with like cosmic horror elements. Right. Yeah, essentially, it's the plot is uh, there's actually like, a breach in the wall of hyperspace, which yeah. actually leads to like hell, right. the void. Oh, it's a Van Horizon, kind of. It, except, it's except, a except, uh, yeah, like ships traveling through hyperspace, they don't can't experience it. But if there's a if there's a recently dead corpse, uh-huh. then a spirit from the void can actually possess it and gain access to the real world. Ah, you're Warhammer 40k then, something like that. Yeah, but um. <laughs> It's it's meeting up with like the spirits like that that I have, I mean there isn't I'm using the cyberpunk system there really isn't a sanity system for it oh so you're making up your own system I'm trying to make up my own sanity system okay so how much how much of that are you going to inflict on the players without just writing how much of that are you going to have in your head or how much of that are you actually going to write out are you going to give them rules and like play test it with them and I then, haven't decided because I haven't I've come up with like several different rule sets but I really can't think of a way okay because there isn't really a will I mean there's a cool stat yeah which is essentially your your willpower but I don't care how cool you are you're eventually going to if you're confronted with this kind of shit okay that, uh, so you're, you've got the option of like making a new stat, which totally reworks character generation, or you have to do something else. So, yeah. So you're you're going outside the beaten path. So uh, you're you're still pl- figuring it out. You haven't because they it. they haven't got there yet. All right. 
I mean, they've encountered a you know several of the corpses that have risen. Yeah, and you know they're. And they fought them off. And, you know they can wipe them out. And yes, and the spirits just go right back to the void afterwards. But they've they haven't yet got one that's been possessed a long time. Right. One that's firmly entrenched because they really tend to start altering the bodies they're in into something that would be given a sand roll. So they haven't encountered that yet, but it's coming. Okay. So uh, you have to give us an update to see how the rules survive, how the players respond to the the new sa- whatever sanity. So you're, you're you're definitely going to give them a sanity. Yes, system. Yes, I am definitely going to give them one. I'm actually thinking not so much a sanity as an insanity system. Well, Essentially, it's, I'm not going to like it's, I'm potato not gonna, potato. Well, I'm not going to take sanity points away. Okay, I'm going to start adding like I see. Uh, like kind of like you know I guess mental stress would be right. something like a, a mental stress point. I think the Dark Heresy system has something like that. Um, the the Warhammer 40k RPGs mm-hmm. have something like that. Um, so that sounds. Anyway, so you're 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 trying to figure your way out. Have you had things like that in the past? Uh, not or really. Gone that far out? Yeah. Not really. I mean, it's it's more still like what I've been doing for the interrogation stuff. Rule okay. little rule things like that. I mean, that is a modifier. I mean, that is definitely going outside the rules as written because that normally it would just be make your skill check. That's it. But you're letting it play out. You're expanding mm-hmm. it, giving players more room. Because I think, you know, if you, if you, when you initially said you t- took away the die roll, then it's totally, it's not even a game anymore. It's whether you guess what you're thinking, basically. No, no, no. It's, I think, I, I actually think personally for stuff like that, a die, it still needs to come down to a die roll. So you, like, so like kinda, for example, if the guy who, Fucked up his interrogation, and the guy has plus seventeen against him. The 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 subject, mm-hmm. but the 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 interrogator still rolls an a, a ab- crit. Yeah, a yeah crit. if he rolls a crit, then essentially it's you just get one of those brain waves that yeah. something just clicks in your head and you realize what this guy is really about. Yeah, and then and you, it's it's very rare, but it happens. Yeah. So all right, so that that's but so you still want that element of chaos. I essentially, I do kind of have a rule on that that if they fuck up to the point where it's like a plus twenty, yeah, it's no that guy's basically got a crit immune resistance to you. He knows your shit. Okay, and you could roll a crit and he's like, no, you're not. All right, fuck off. So there is that you can turn permanently. Fuck yeah, out. actually, to me, crits don't automatically guarantee success all the time. Okay, fair enough. So again, you're I get more of the story heavy, you know. Plot. Well, actually, the thing. Okay, actually, I meant the thing. I'm doing a system thing here that I love. The thing okay. about that system, a rolling crit is rolling a ten. It doesn't mean you automatically succeed. It means you get to roll another ten, and add that to your roll. So you could actually roll a ten and then make another roll and roll a one, and essentially you have eleven plus your stat. That still might not be enough. Right. What if you roll another ten? Yeah. You keep going. It you explodes. Keep, so it explodes. All right. So, you, but well, if that guy rolls a fifty on his check, though, even on the guy who had autoimmune, were you still going to do that if he got some well, insanely actually, good roll? In that case, if he if he like double or triple explodes, I'm like, yeah. okay, some things are just meant to be. All right. If you do that, okay, look, yeah, you are meant to break this guy. The gods have decreed that this guy is broken before you, and even he admits, you're right. I. I'm sorry. I will tell you everything. I'll write it down for you. Here, nice. I'll no- notarize it. Yeah. I, can, I, right. can I get you some coffee? All right. So the the element of chaos is still important in the game. Um, oh, it's, or chance, I Randomness. Yeah, yeah. Chance. Randomness, I, it's really, there has to be randomness to everything. Okay. Um, well, I think this is sort of a good stopping point for now because it's like i said this discussion is it, is sort it of could me- go on forever yeah i mean and it's just something to think about when you're running a game is how much is it polished gameplay and how much of it is just going out beyond the beaten path and you know is it how fair is it to inflict 
unproven rules on yeah. fun you know and, you know and i'll say like and it, it's okay to mess up yeah it's okay to do something that doesn't work and the players all agree on that yeah yeah it doesn't mean the game's tanked but you know you're not always going to succeed yeah i mean you if you want to try something very experimental you need to think about it like uh if you wanted to do you know a dance-off game using D D, you know uh, or AD D first you know first edition AD D, you might want to plan that shit out yeah exactly but or phoenix, phoenix but, command but also no one's telling you you can't try it right so uh think it, just when you're running your own games you're playing uh think about the 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 effect polish has on your game versus the plot and whether your plot when your plot goes to weird places that the rules don't cover how to make that fair for your players or for your gm and you know it's a very complex topic but i think you know we'll, we'll talk about it more i think i want to get more into this, these game design kind of things rather than i mean we've been talking about systems and kickstarter lately but you know we, we should just focus on core stuff yeah you go. i don't know well of course well, i may be wrong I, we're, we leave it up to you the listeners out there what do you want us to talk about so because uh, we can talk about stuff all day long we well, can seriously it's like a it's a thing. It's a, it's a thing with us. Listen to the railery thing. We talk about video games. So I did. Uh, I talk about Marcus Aurelius. And yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, Tom has a not quite it's a letter. Not a letter, but it's more a return to something I haven't done in a long time. Right. And I've mentioned this on another episode. Right. And after that, we will have shout outs and a letter from a reader or listener, which so. we always love to get. Yes. Uh, very, uh, so we'll be right back. We're back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, this thing that I am now doing that I haven't done in a long time is I'm doing a play-by-post game. Now, I know I'm, I mentioned the last game I did this, which I believe was like 1999, was a was based on SWAT Cats. I think I mentioned this in one of the very earlier episodes. And it was essentially just people trying to go, look how badass I am. I'm going to do whatever I want, regardless of the cops or the rules of nature or God or whatever. And it's I quit after a week. So, and I've pretty much, I've just avoided that. There's been some play-by-post games on the forums that I haven't really gotten into. You know, but finally now, just a, few, just a couple of weeks ago, I got involved into another play-by-post game that has actually been extremely fun. And I love what I love, and with a caliber of role players that are just, it's amazing for something I've experienced in a play-by-post game before. So, um, anyway, the game is based off the... Uh, Spirit of Redemption, Mass Effect fanfic story. I know I've given a couple of shout-outs to already. Set in that universe, but you know, no, but off the beaten path, so not not you know messing with the main story. But just the the caliber of the role players in that is just amazing. People that actually think out their characters, do stuff, and what's what was more shocking to me was work as a team. You know, they, their posts are all stuff like I'm going to do this so I can make it easier for my other team members to do this and. To me, that I was I was blown away because I'd never seen a play by post game where that happens. It's very unique. So what I did was I got a couple uh, a couple of uh, four of the players in the game to uh, like do do like a answer a couple of questions as their character just to just to get an idea of like the fact that they actually have characters. And these responses that I'm about to read are actually them responding within seconds of my questions. So them not even thinking, oh, wait, I have a character. Uh, what's this supposed to sound like? Uh, this. 
So I'm just going to read a, read a couple of these as my letter. So the first question was, you know, would you, you know, would you state your names for the record? And the first player, uh, his character Siege, which is a geth from the game of the machines, his was, we are mobile platform CROWD245 designated Siege. We are optimized for close-range combat utilizing the deployment of specialized weapons of both hand-to-hand and heavy classifications. The other one, Nameless, is actually Arachni, one of the insect things who communicate via kind of songs, you know, mental songs. But I have not yet received my name song, but these singers call me Nameless. I am told I will have my name song soon, which makes me sing joy songs. I am a brood warrior of the singing planet of those whom you call Arachni. There's Samael, who is a, uh, a, sorry, uh, a sorry soldier, just says, Infiltration Close Assault Specialist. All I said, and then there was... Uh, Des, the, is a, who is a Turian, says, I'm Desiderius Lucius, BSEC detective and ex-Special Forces operative. The first actual question was, and to what to, do you attribute your coolness? Siege said, no data available. You know, Nameless said, I do not understand coolness songs. Who are, what are they, please, and how should I sing them? Des said, decades of experience, big guns, and dashing good looks. Looking cool isn't the goal, but it's a nice side effect. And Samael said, I perform my mission to the best of my abilities. Children worry about whether or not they look cool while doing so. I'm not a child. Then I was asked, what is the greatest moment of your career, kind of, i.e., the game? Des said, is that thing on? I'm not talking about this if that Futari camera is recording. By the way, she came up with an entire language and swearing words for different aliens. Very good stuff. Siege said, we postulate that better information may be collated if we provide answers for the other runtimes. Des said, I'm in more of a support role in the team. I just keep people alive so they can have great moments. But if I had to choose, fighting off a boarding party naked was probably it. And Samuel goes back in. I recently was involved in an assassination and exfiltration operation with a member of my squad and two mercenary leaders. It went better than we anticipated. And then Siege comes back on. We determined that the assistance in achieving ballistic flight provided by Nameless Brood Warrior was a tactically efficient maneuver. So I came in. So the bug threw you, but affirmative. And then the last question was, you're at the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas. Twelve members of a human Luddite religious group have taken 50 hostages in the main casino. They have a bomb threatening to blow the whole place. Do you take them seriously? And if you do, what do you do? Cedro, situational parameters of this scenario are outside of our platform's capabilities to safely neutralize. We would defer to platforms specialized in negotiation and or support functions. Nameless, the, the Ragnar said, yes, I would hear if their songs had intention in them, darkness. Then I would take the position of the explosive machine with its fire and metal from their minds and sing myself to its location. I would take it and sing myself elsewhere, someplace where it would sing its songs of destruction without harm to others. Des, the Turian, wrote, I'm torn between saying call for backup, surround the, surround the building and attempt to negotiate with them, or take a team, toss flashbangs into the room, and neutralize them quickly before getting an explosive bullet specialist to defuse the bomb. And Samuel the Asari said, I know from the feel of their minds if they were serious. We'd use a negotiator and a forward response team to keep the situation under control while infiltration units moved in via stealth to deal with the terrorists and their bomb. And let's just say the last play-by-post game I was in, that many words would be impossible to get out of any of these players. And a lot of them were, were you know, like in their 30s in this game. You know, adults, and they were just like, you know, like, you know shoot gun, kill things. This is actually a group that's would take the time to come up with responses like this. And it is amazing, and I'm glad to be part of it. By the way, I, you want, I, know, it's, I know you're right here, Ross. Just what do you think, what kind of character do you think I'm playing? Uh, knowing me, knowing me, what do you think? An alien? Yes. An alien guy who speaks in a German accent? Yeah, no. Teutonic? 
No. Nothing and, Nothing German. Uh, Russian? Wow, Ross, you're really reaching. Really? No, I'm actually playing a Solarian uh, computer hacker nerd. Okay. I'm actually playing someone terrified by combat. You're role-playing Aaron? Yeah, in a sense. I'm kind of role-playing a lot of right. Aaron's characters, except right. that they're me. And like when I got in my first firefight, my reaction was, the first sound of gunfire, to run screaming in the opposite direction and collide with a wall and knock myself out. Okay. All right. Well, uh, it's, that's... I'm actually, I'll put up a link to it. It's, the posts are just really fun to read, really good role-playing. And as this is a podcast about role-playing, I felt that needed to be shared. Well, play-by-posts are a emerging and important part, subset of role-playing games, and it's certainly uh, far be from us to uh, neglect them. So, Yeah, uh, yeah uh, it's all the players are on their A-game on this. Okay. Uh, it's very, very Im- amusing, and I'm going to stick with this for a long time. All right, sounds good. All right, well, we'll be right back with uh, shout-outs and the letter. All right. And we're back. So uh, first off, we're going to talk about some shout-outs before we get to the, the listener letter. So, um, Tommy, you had a couple. First, why don't you mention one of them? All right. Uh, well, since we're going with – we talked a lot about uh, games. I have a Steam game I'm really into right now. Yeah. That's uh, Breath of Death. Yeah. Same people that did uh, Cthulhu Saves the World. Yeah. Essentially, it's, it's like an RPG like that, except every it's a, wor- a world where everyone's undead. I think there – it's uh, – the, the guy who does it, it – his company is called Z Boyd Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just a one man shop, or maybe one or two people. But yeah, they do it, it like, like largely like stuff, Super Nintendo, yeah, kind of like using a RPG maker type. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's very except very, it's very well written. Like Final Fantasy two, or... but very well written, very well done. Yeah, very fun. Yeah, yeah I'd be, very I, fun. I, I mentioned Cthulhu Saves the World. I've beaten that myself. Uh, and I know they just did the new Penny Arcade, Precipice of Darkness. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that is definitely one of them. Uh, so that's a fun game. Um, I want to mention the three games that we brought up in the show, uh, which would be uh, Swords and Sorcery. Uh, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP. Um, again, it's probably better on the iOS than it is for Steam, but, you know, if you the, the music's certainly good, and... It's worth playing just for the aesthetic, I think. Mm-hmm. Of course, out of the three games, the best one uh, would be Lone Survivor. That game is just straight up good. Like, the gameplay is a little clunky, but it's worth it for the story. And right. it's just really very horrific and very, very close to Silent Hill 2 in terms of its story and setting. And yeah, it's just great. So, nice. uh, and it's cheap. It's like $10 on Steam. So, can't beat cheap. Yeah. And it's not a very long game either. It's like four to eight hours, depending on uh, for your first playthrough, uh, depending on how fast you are, how qu- quickly you go through it. Um, and then, of course, Daisy, which is an Arma 2 mod. Uh, Bicycle. Yeah. It's the reason why Arma 2, Arma 2 was released in 2010, but for the last month, it's been the number one uh, best selling game on Steam. Because of Daisy, so they're working on Arma Three right now. Arma Three, Arma Two, by the way, is a hyper-realistic military sim, like first-person shooter or helicopter or tank. You know, mm-hmm. you can do it all. Um, and apparently, it's a really fun game. I've actually wanted to play it before that because of its complexity and everything like that. Um, there are videos of it where, like, they simulate a battle between a thousand guys, and there's like tanks and planes, and it's nice. like you're in a fucking war. Like, wow, it's really cool. So. 
Uh, yeah, Daisy ain't so, but the game, Daisy itself, yeah, try it, but, oh my, like, you need to be prepared for some bullshit. Like, yeah. just straight up bullshit. Um, like, not even counting the players who are gonna, like, just shoot you. Like, you literally cannot, like, Caleb described it as the road, the video game. So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that was bad. Yeah. Um, so you had another thing you wanted to mention. Uh, the CCG you've been playing a lot. Oh of yeah, it's um, actually it's, it's a classic. I, I, it's I, I a, literally, it's an oldie. I literally thought so little of this before that I, I actually for suddenly forgot what it was. But CCG it was out in the nineties, the late nineties. Uh, Aliens versus Predator, the CCG. Now it's out of print now, but it's one of those games that I bought you know boxes of boosters on because I because I there's stuff I wanted right. And uh, I'm sure I, you can get it cheap on eBay. Oh yeah, they're. Yeah, they're they're dirt cheap right now, but what's I'm let's say I'm wor- I work I work with kids right now. I'll leave it yeah. at that. And uh, I'm actually introducing this game to where I work, and it's uh, I'm essentially rediscovering it myself because I hadn't played it in over a decade. But it's one of those like, oh yeah, this was kind of fun back in the day, you know. And uh, it's because I you know well there's you know. They're, they're, kids are into magic right now. They really love that game. So, like, hey, here's one with guns and, you know, aliens and stuff. They're like, oh, yeah, that's cool, too. So, yeah, I'm, I feel I've done my part to help out people. Yeah, that's that's a way of describing that. Um, <laughs> one uh, one shout-out I want to give is um, uh, RPPR regular Thad. Oh yeah, uh, has been in a web series. Well, kind of in a web series that is being produced here at Missouri State University. Uh, I know some people worked on it. The web series itself is called Epilogue. It's a sci-fi time travel piece. Uh, it's set in, like the main thing is set. The main story is set in the modern day where a plague has wiped out most of the people. And the idea is sometimes like, hey, we can go back in time to the source. We figure out where the plague started in the Middle Ages, so we can go back in time and fix it there. And nothing bad could happen. What could possibly go wrong? So. Um, I'll put a link to the main web series, but the the main thing is that was put on as for the side videos of a pizza delivery or pizza salesman, pizza man, p- manage runs this pizza store and he like makes these ads as the play gets worse and worse of like, hey, our pizza's great, come get our pizza here, it's so great. And, uh, we're not our like our guys are not afraid to walk into certain death. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Godel's deliveries uh, is what it's called the the ad. So I'll put a link up to the 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 most recent one. Uh, or to, to some of us, you can get a, get a sense of it. So if you you, you want to see Thad, you can see him on this uh, video uh, or these videos. So um, and, he loves to be filmed. Yes, he does. Uh, but he well, he's the one volunteer for the acting. So uh-huh. so uh, let's try and get more vi- views for Godel's deliveries than Epilogue or go see Epilogue too. So. Uh, <laughs> we will change the world. Exactly. Uh, and another YouTube video. Um, this is uh, Dad Tux. Uh, it's a D&D. Like, you remember the D&D cartoon? Yeah, I totally do. Uh, some people took it and took an episode of it and basically revoiced it so that everyone was a-, a player in the game. So like, oh, I'll use my cloak of invisibility. And then you see the the girl put on the, her cloak it's like, of invisibility. like, roll 14. Like, okay, well, but your shoes are still visible. Yeah, exactly. So it's one episode of the D&D cartoon as if it were a real RPG scenario. So it's pretty amusing. It's worth the 13 minutes. So that's the thing. And that, that show was really awful. <laughs> 
Whoa, whoa, huge hit out of nowhere. Gee, whoa. Yeah, the D&D cartoon was awful. I oh said it. Oh, my God, Tom. What? I said it. Whoa. And this is coming from someone who used to play a SWAT Cats play-by-post game. I never said I was more hol- I was holier than it. Well, I'm just saying, SWAT Cats is a worse cartoon than D&D. You take that back right I'm now. I'm sorry, Ross. it is. No, Ross, you, you die. Uh, I will kill you. I, I haven't even watched SWAT Cats, but I have watched a D&D cartoon. Therefore, D&D cartoon is better. So I believe your logic is flawed and non I think your face is flawed for your brain is flawed just for think, dissing the I just think cartoon. listeners we're going to have seven and a half hours of this on the way to Gen Con this yeah, year yeah this is going to be fun uh, anyways the last two uh, shout outs are two web comics I found that's, that are pretty great uh, one is called Nimona and it's basically about a sidekick for a supervillain, she just shows up. It's like, "Hey, boss, I want to work for you." It's like, "No, I don't want any sidekicks." But I'm a shapeshifter. He's like, mm, okay, all right, you can work <laughs> for you. And it's set in it's not in the real world, but like in this weird alternate D and D or fantasy world where like there are knights and wizards, but they also have TVs and like it's and explosives and things like that. So oh, lovely. Yeah, it's 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 just started. It's only got like 16, 17 pages so far, so it's easy to catch up, uh, and it's worth reading. And it's got great art. So, well, good art's good. Deal with that. I'm dealt. Uh, with. Finally, uh, Alpha Flag, which is another web comic that is really fucking weird. It's like a guy wakes up in this Arctic station by himself, and he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know why he's there, and he starts getting this Twin Peaks-esque mystery where everything is based on flags. And like by flags, I mean the kind of flags you use for semaphore. Mm-hmm. So, like, every character in that in, the, in this webcomic is based on a semaphore flag. And, like, there are puzzles based on semaphore flags. Wow. And you actually win prizes in real life if you figure out the puzzles uh, in this. So it's like... Really fucking weird and really good. I can't wait to see what happens. So, yeah, I know, right? It's like. And prizes. Yeah, it's just like, holy crap, this guy's putting in a lot of work, a lot of polish into these puzzles. So, um, those are the uh, shout outs for this particular episode. Um, We'll just. Oh, we did watch Atlas Shrugged, but uh, we're not giving that a shout out. I did. Caleb did, and some other people did, but not Tom, because he's working that eye. But. Ragnar the Pirate is all I want to say about that. So anyway, um, and it was a such a bad movie. So much mahogany. Um, so let's get to the letter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, hey, just got into your show. Warning, possibly long message, possibly. So this is from Chris. I'll leave out his last name for respect. And as someone new to the world of pen and paper RPGs, your podcasts are very informative. I've been tracking, been backtracking the old episodes of work. I stumbled on your site looking for recorded games of Eclipses because I plan on running a campaign. I really enjoy actual plays because it's useful to hear the rules being used while reading them. I'm looking for what to do with a player. So let's see if mm. we can help him. Last year, I ran my first game and mistakenly chose a game that had a horrible combat system. So I had to work around it. I ran Scion, which is the modern, uh-huh. modern demigod game. Uh, and everything other than combat was running good. My story was progressing. Players were having fun. I challenged them. Uh, I gave them a reason to hate the villains other than, oh, he's just the bad guy. Two players had a restaurant which was attacked many times and destroyed, 
dick. Yeah, I hate it when my restaurant. Yeah. I'm a demigod and my restaurant is destroyed. That, that this is you off. That, that, that does. Uh, I got tired of running it for many reasons. Uh, one player who's making a lot of bad choices in life, like not getting a job or having money to play, pay his rent, etc., etc. Another reason was one player, Nick, when I made his character kind of min-maxed, I had things built for the other players, um, but where it was too easy for him. So he was he was getting through combat really easy. So I wanted to challenge him, and he said he wanted a new follower. He wanted his character to have a good pet succubus, and his cop was and his character was a cop. Can't remember what god was his father. Yeah, wow. It's uh, says I was setting up the middle of the my campaign for sign. It was this company named Atlas, uh, Borderlands Atlas, Power of the Gods in Your Hand. Uh, it was run by two sons of Greek gods who wanted to free Prometheus. What could go wrong with that? Uh, the other guy agenda was capturing other supernatural beings and studying them for new technology. So my friend Nick, um, the cop, wanted his succubus follower and Atlas wanted uh, the succubus follower and Atlas had one in prison. It was going great and he kept uh, his agenda secret and didn't want Atlas to find out why he was really there. I wanted to go into detail that the supernatural creatures get captured at Atlas n- normally face a slow and torturous death in the name of science. You know, harvesting giant blood to make a concentrated super soldier for serum and so on. Like, okay. Uh, I wanted him to get the other players involved without holding his hand and telling him the best course of action. He took the succubus and ran and Atlas chased and pushed him. Uh, never asked the succubus if she knew uh, a place for him and her to lay low or have the other players help hide him his character 180 his alignment and every time he got stuck and i didn't know what to do he said his character wanted to kill himself i didn't want him to be let off so easily so i talked him into playing it out he got mad when his dice his high dice rolls were not doing the damage he was used to oh white wolf yeah yeah um, I explained to him that uh, he's fighting guys much more uh, powerful than his stats were. The game blew up because, well, too much outside drama was pouring in. I wasn't having much fun. Fast forward a bit, and Joss wanted to run Mage uh, as more of a tabletop. Uh, so I pretty much built a warrior mage, very combating, and a little Swiss army knife with pretty balanced stats. I think I figured out what my friend Nick was. He's very much a Mary Sue. Uh, Nick built a character that was cast in the shadows and countered everyone else's spells. He said he was going for the rogue approach, but when pro- when it came to everyone else who built their mage more or less for a tabletop style play, Nick's character didn't fit. Uh, I guess by tabletop he means like teamwork. And I guess. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. All right, so the one point I gave up on the game is when he said he would counter everyone's spell, and since no one would knew it was him, he would do the player's spells too. I was done by this point. I stopped carrying and started casting like crazy, never easing in anything with mana paradox to paradox. Uh, I was done. It became a mage. Five players um, watched two play, and to Josh's credit, he was trying everything to get other players in the game. A week later, that was over. So I guess Nick was countering everyone's spells and being a dick. I and, hate dickish players. Yeah. Uh, next game, my friend Teddy, who runs a game at a comic shop in the city next to us, was visiting the summer. He was running Don't Rest Your Head. Hey. Ah, yeah. yeah. Good game. Uh, great game. I love it, by the way. Great game. Going great till Nick's character started doing nothing but sitting in one spot. And after many times, Teddy tried to get him to go with the group. He just sent an NPC who pretty much dragged him to wherever we all were. Game is still going on. Uh, just started a Pathfinder game. Now third, uh, now, uh, third night is coming up. Uh, the third night of the game is coming up, I guess. Uh, Chris, a friend who's running it, brought some of his old D&D players. They just finished a two-year D&D game with 13 people. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, in as, as well as me and Nick and a few other. Nick is 
His character is out for revenge, and many times Chris the DM made it his backstory connection to the main story, leaving Nick breadcrumbs and plot every chance he can, and Nick never bites. Chris and I uh, were talking. He was basically venting, yes, his group is much larger than recommended players, uh, but there are two DMs. David jumps in when it's too much to juggle and then goes back to playing. So 13 players, two DMs, I guess. Um, is that a video? Yeah. <laughs> David's character is light in that he's an alchemist and is helping. And here's his buff. Go have fun. So he's kind of a support character, I guess. Uh, Chris was venting that Nick is a prima donna. And he keeps pushing him to make a story about him and why all the players should look up to him. Prima donna, Mary Sue. I told him about what happened in Scion and said the best way we can deal with him now is he might get kicked out of the driver's seat when he digs uh, holes for his character with no hand-holding. We're both looking at advice other than rocks fall, everyone dies, huh? I was thinking if Nick digs a hole again and wants his character to kill himself, uh, take the sheet away and run it as an NPC. Give him a new one and tell him again. It's pretty bad when, uh, even worse, when he argues uh, roles, I guess, you know, the result of mm-hmm. uh, die rolls. Well, you have someone like this in an Eclipse Phase game, and if not, what's a nice way to say no? Anyways, thanks for the time going over this, Ben. Lowell didn't realize how long it was going to be until just now. Thank you for your time. Well, Chris. Um, so, Nick is a dick. Uh, they rhyme. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it was... F- well, I mean, what do you think? Basically, it sounds like he's the kind of person who is... Yeah, I mean, a premier, if he can't be the center of the game, he doesn't want anyone else mm-hmm. to have fun. Or if he he either wants to take over or he sulks. It sounds like, yeah, sounds like it to me. So you've you've known people like that. What do you, what would you recommend, Tom? I mean, well, I, I always believe in you know giving chances no matter what. And it's... I would actually, uh, first of all, roll out in the open because I, I, I have, you know, guys like that often love to uh, fudge rolls. Yeah. And just, yes. <laughs> yes, Ross. All right. Anyways, but you know, and it, and you know, first, you know, and do that is make all make sure all the rolls are fair and the dice come over the may. And yes, if the bad roll comes up and he starts doing that, just you know, try to explain. I would say first, like, look, you know, that happens. And the good thing about Eclipse Phase, if you're doing that, death is not the end of a character. Right. You know, if you if you mess up a roll and die, which can happen very easily, yeah, you can just literally back up from another life. Right. So that might take care of a lot of that. Like, and also in that one, wanting to kill himself, well, that's that's no guarantee. Well, I think they have given him many chances. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. describe him in like the Scion game, the Mage game, the Pathfinder game, the don't rest your head game. I think they have to sever as my, well, first I would just, in that case, I would just flat out ask him like, you know, what are you looking for in this game? Yeah. Are you looking to actually contribute? Are you just here to hang out? Well, I think he would say, I mean, the thing is he's very disingenuous as a player. If you're Mm -hmm. wanting to kill yourself and still showing up, I think he shows up. He, he really does want to ruin other people's time. He's basically trolling them. I think he would say, oh, no, I want to have fun. Yeah, no. I think he would he would mm. lie. I think he would flat out lie about what he wants to do. Like, if you're playing a mage game and you're countering the other player's spells yeah. for the well, sake of countering if, if them. If all that's going on, I would say, yeah, set them, cut them loose. Yeah. I think you just have to say, I'm sorry, Nick. We don't want to, I don't want to play with you anymore. It's not fun playing role playing games with you. Uh, we just have different play styles, you know, uh, you, you're, and then, uh, if he is this kind of person who is just 
out to get people, I mean, or just out to well, sabotage games. I mean, that, 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 that may be how he has fun. Yeah, that, that it does sound like his play style is to sabotage the game. Whatever's going on is to just, like, to be there, and that's what everybody's doing, but he doesn't want to have, I mean, he doesn't want to play the game as everyone else is doing. Um, so he's just an immature person. Like, mm-hmm. the player is immature. Like, the, yeah. the act, Nick is immature. So... There's nothing. You, there's no game solution to that. You just have to kick him out. I mean, I, yeah. I really don't see a solution because he's not wanting. He. The thing is, you can only meet a person halfway. You can't make them a better player. They have to want to be a better player. Yeah. They have to want to contribute. And Nick does not want to contribute. If he would have, he would have learned it by the third or fourth game he's been in. Like he, mm-hmm. he would have like paid attention, but he is not going to change. So you just have to kick him out. He's just not going to do it unless he wants to do it. And there's no evidence that he wants to do it. Yeah, I'd really say it sounds like. I mean, I'm all for giving chances, but yeah, after all this time, and he's still doing it. Yeah, yeah, he's a troll. And I mean, to- like he might be totally on. Un- un- I mean, there is a, a slight change if he's totally unaware of his actions. Like there are some people that have absolutely no fucking idea what their actions actually do to other people. Like they're just like, what? I'm a f- uh, nobody's having fun when I want to kill my character in the game. Uh, you know, like you could tell him you are. If you want to be direct, just tell him. When your character doesn't do anything in the game, it makes it less fun for everybody. Yeah, and especially get get the whole group in on that. Well, I wouldn't get I, the whole group I in. I would. I would. But because then that, like, some people are a lot of people are really bad at direct confrontations. Like they really hate confronting other people. Like no matter how good of a cause it is, there's if you have thirteen people in a game or whatever, there are going to be people who are just like ah, would not say anything just because. It's easier to not do anything than to say the right thing. You know what I mean? Well, like, yeah. make it. It's about you. It's and don't make it about other people. Make it you. Like, I mean, it's it's. I'm having a problem with that. I don't want you in the game. I'm not going to run games for you anymore. Period. Like, make it about yourself. Like, don't br- drag other people into it. Is my solution because you're putting them in a horribly awkward spot. So, well, I can see your point. But I mean, it depends on how well you know these people. If everybody else is like. Fuck yeah. yeah. If you talk about it. Yeah. See, if everybody's committed to doing it, then yeah, then just kick him out of the, the group, you know, like that. I mean, really, he, he he's not going to change. So um, I don't see him changing. No, that long, that many games. I mean, there unless he's totally unaware of what he's doing and actually is like cares about other people. But there's no evidence that he does that. I mean, like if you want to be nice, give him a chance. Give him one last game. Tell him, like, you cannot kill yourself. You have to participate. You have to do this. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we want you to have fun, but I want yeah, everyone else to have fun, yeah, too. Yeah, you have to act like the other players. And if he does any, if he still sabotages it, it's clear he's not going to change. So, you know, kick there him out. Go. So that, that's my solution. I know it's not fun, but there's nothing really else you can do at this point. It sounds like you've given him every chance you can, and he just won't take it. So, anyway. What, what, what else to do? So, uh, anyways, this is uh, there's not much else to say. Uh, so, this is Ross Payton here with Roleplay Public Radio. This is episode yeah. 75, Plotter Polish. And, and I'm Tom, wishing you well. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>